0: In association with the Agri Health Network, it's time for That Farm Life Podcast Planting Hope, Harvesting Strength. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. It's about the day to day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith family, and community with other farmers. Now, here's your host, a farmer, a former Agri business owner, and also the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Arkansas, Archie Mason. Well, hey folks, this is Archie Mason. I'm the host of That Farm Life podcast. So thank you for joining us. Hey, as always, check us out at agrihealth.net. Learn more about us, who we are, what we do. We try to provide some very practical information. This kind of help us all deal with the stress and strain of life. So, if you're in that agricultural realm, you know about all the stuff that we experience. It's either not raining or raining, or we got army worms, or something is always happening. So, we want to help you kind of walk uh, through that. We always say here it's okay not to be okay. We just want to help you kind of not stay that way. Today, uh, the guest on our podcast is Mr. Tom Hess. He works for the uh, University of Arkansas, he's a program associate. And he works at the uh, University of Arkansas Division of Agricultural Livestock and Forestry Research Station. Tom, that's a mouthful right there. You'd think they would have got a smaller name. So, hey, thanks for being with us, man.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Archie. That is a very long title. Yeah. Essentially, what that means is I'm just a glorified cowboy. So,
0: hey, well, you know what? I, I learned that the first time I met you, for those who are listening to the podcast today. So, uh, the uh, the research station there, uh, in that area will do, they'll host these, uh, you know, days where you come out. So as a kind of small time little cattle farmer, I went and that's where I met Tom because uh, we had some cows in the chute and they were going through some different vaccinations and that kind of stuff. So, hey, glorified cowboy or not, man, you know what you're doing. I, I can tell you that. So, hey, Tom, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you end up working for the University of Arkansas? Where'd you come from? Are you an Arkansas native or uh, out of the state or what?
1: Yes, I'm a a long-time native. Uh, My ancestry, I'm from uh, near Baseville, uh, just not too far from where the station is. Uh, Grew up on the family farm, which is fourth generation. Uh, My ancestry, they came up the uh, White River and uh, settled on the south side of the river in 1800. So my family's been here a long time. But uh, I attended the uh, U of A, got my bachelor's in animal science back in the 1900s.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're like me. We're not going to tell how old we are, but I understand. <laughs> uh, graduated, and came
1: back home to to the farm, uh, got married, purchased my own farm, which was uh, an independent 120 South ferry to finish operation. I chased that rabbit till the industry pretty much went the way poultry is when integrated uh, this job became available applied I've been here for I'm wrapping up 18 years oh wow at the station yeah.
0: yeah well man sounds like it's been good you're not so you you're not too far from home not too far from where you grew up or anything right there at the right. station right. well man that's got all place. is your wife from that area uh, she's from I met here her in
1: college uh, okay. she's from over on the west side of the state. Okay, close to Fort Smith,
0: hey, when you brought her home, was she like, Oh me, what is this, or was she used to <laughs> was she was she kind of used to the agriculture lifestyle?
1: uh yes, uh, she grew up around agriculture her her father was in the heating and air business over there, so they've been out of agriculture, but she she was uh, getting her degree in in uh, animal science as well, so
0: so, uh, Ooh, man, you, hey, uh you met her in the ag class, man. Well, that's even, yes. that's, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you always yeah, I always tell people, know. hey, some people have heard our story. My wife and I, she was, she was at a barrel race. She would riding a barrel horse and I met her and she'd come by on that, she come by on that horse and I asked my friend, I said, who is that?
1: And <laughs>
0: he said, you don't want to mess with her. Her daddy will kill you. I said, I don't want to date her daddy. I want to date her. He said, no, nope, that's not going to work. And uh, anyway, here we are. All these years, <laughs> in there. well, hey, okay. So you, you know, you going on eighteen years there. Tell us about the research station, specifically the cattle. Uh, you know, what type of cattle do you guys run? How does that generally work? You know, kind of what's the purpose, the mission? I know you got day to day operations and that kind of stuff, but so tell us about the herd and anything you think we need to know.
1: Okay, to try to to summarize all of it, the the research station, our with the beef cattle, our primary thing we look at it, uh, is associated with, with grazing cattle. So whether it's cow-calf or whether it's stocker. Uh, but that entails, uh, wh- what we do is try to scientifically answer questions, which means you, know, you, you have to do experiments and, and do them enough to get a statistically accurate answer. Uh, whereas you or I, just as a producer, we may try something this year and may have good luck with it, and then it never work again. Or we may try something and it doesn't work and we never try it again. <laughs> so uh, the the whole purpose uh, of the land-grant university and uh, having uh, research stations is to try to scientifically get an answer.
0: This is a old land-grant research. I mean, with the university, how long has it been around? How long has the research station been? Well, we
1: just we did with that earlier. I, I wish I had the exact dates down, but this one actually was established in uh, uh, the late 1930s. So, it's been around here a long time.
0: <laughs> that That is amazing. Hey, how big is that research station? How many how many acres? We've
1: got uh, roughly 3,000 acres uh, and two tracks. We've got one forestry tract uh, that's up on the White River that that's an 800 acre tract of nothing but but timber, and then here on the headquarters we've got the other 2,200 or so, which about uh, 1,600
0: of that is open pasture. Oh wow! Okay, uh, the rest of it is timber. Wow. So, okay. You, you mentioned earlier too, when you were talking about the experiments, things you do trying to prove this. So do y'all work with that 360 day grazing? You try to, you know, cause I know that's been a part of the Arkansas stuff for a while, but is right. that, do you try to incorporate that into your program? Well, <laughs> that was a, uh, I guess
1: you would call it more of a demonstration for the extension side. The extension staff really pushed that over there, and, and for a good reason. I mean, it really helped yeah. to kind of show some people what you can do and, and oh, yeah. Yeah. benefits from it. Uh, but as far as, like, when it comes to actual research projects, uh, which once they're done, the principal investigator, which is usually a, one of our PhDs or whatever, yeah. they will they will write it up and try to get it published into uh, peer-reviewed journals. Okay. So in order to do that, you have to, uh, when you're dealing with large animals outside in the environment, in order to take a lot of the variables out, you have to do these uh, experiments over Like three to five years uh, repetitively. Oh, wow. Yeah. And which (laughs) most normal people don't understand that. Like, well, you tried that, you know, two years ago. How come you're still doing it? Well, you have to do it in order to get enough data to be statistically accurate on your answers. We'll go from, you know, one project to another. It's even any producer out there, if they have a question that uh, they can talk to their extension agent, which is the we have research and extension, and the extension is the public outreach. That's your extension agents; they're the ones that put on seminars. We're the research side, which we try to get the answers for them to. Oh,
0: I got out. you. You know, hey, and honestly, I've been to agriculture a long time, but I probably didn't really know that kind of difference between the extension side and the research side. So, man, that that's very helpful. So, what type of uh, what type of cattle are y'all running, and is it mainly cow calf or?
1: Okay, we've got it's uh it's a mixed herd we don't we don't run a specific breed okay yeah so it's kind of whichever breed of bull we use last breeding cycle you know we we try to keep our bulls till they they've played out you know say three to five years and then we'll replace bulls. so say we've got uh say we had brangus the last time we used them we'll use maybe red angus or semi-angus or something on the next bull around. And we keep all of our own heifers, so the herd is a, a mixed herd. Gotcha. Uh, we keep roughly 300 mama cows. We keep about 150 to calve on the spring cycle and about 150 to calve in the fall cycle. And uh, yeah. Then when it comes to stalker cattle, we use cooperators, which are producers that retain ownership. They, they will purchase uh, from local sale barns, they will purchase steers because they primarily want to graze steers. There, there's some reasons for that, but
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: they will purchase, and we need roughly 500 of those a year. And so if we wanted to produce enough to do our research work with, that means we would be need to be running roughly 1,000 mama cows in order to have 500 steers. And they, we try to get them all within the same weight range, which you've got some cow... Cal- uh mama tells yourself yeah. is they all need to be bred the same day in order for them all come out the same weight. But so that's really hard to do. So we use cooperators and we run about five
0: hundred a year. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah you, I was kinda of laughing when you said that. Sometimes I, I you know I get the data and I go to seminars and I look at that and I think, you know, in a in a perfect world that would work for me. But I said, <laughs> man. But hey, I, I did my wife and I we AI'd some and I'm kind of a I don't know hobby AI or I guess somewhat, you know, we had about 28 or something, we, we AI'd them, and she told me, she said, man, this is nice when they all drop right within two or three days, I said, yeah, it don't always work like that in a, a, a big size, so, hey, so, okay, so let's talk a little bit, some of that research then, so, for what, what would be hypothetically, or maybe something you've done in the past with a cow-calf, what kind of research would that be, and then also, I want to talk about some of those, you know, you work with the cooperators that y'all have, those 500, what type of projects with something big we're gonna
1: well the cow calf uh, interestingly enough right now we are are working with uh, the synchronized AI work yeah and we're, we're kind of manipulating times on that setup process that's involved to uh, that I won't say we're, we're <laughs> anytime you're doing synchronized AI you're kind of monkeying with mother nature to begin with but that's been around for several years now. We have a top-notch PhD, U of A graduate that went off and, and was one of the big, the big boys in the early AI work. Yeah, and yeah. he's now back with the university, and we're doing work with him right now. And we have a pilot project that's coming along because where we're at, we deal with uh, using fescue as as kind of the primary forage. Yeah, and there is a problem with uh, What we call hot fescue, or the regular Kentucky 31 fescue, it has an endophyte or a fungus on it that actually is a symbiotic. It helps the plant survive droughts and overgrazing and all, but it creates uh, a toxin that constricts capillaries in the cattle, which some can tolerate, some can't. But it does create quite a few problems. Uh, If people out there, if there's some beef producers listening, that hard fescue to it and that type of thing yeah. that's where it came from but an interesting thing we're looking at right now is uh, feeding melatonin which is ah. the same same thing we can take to sleep better we've not started it yet but it's like i say it's a a, a, a new project that we're looking at that if uh, you can feed it at particular times during the uh, gestational cycle if that will prevent some of the problems uh, with the calf productivity as they mature so it's it's been a long-range project
0: hey now you know what's gonna happen and there's some people out there like me you said that and i thought wow you look out there and the pastor and the cows are <laughs> laying down all the time like and then some are thinking hey i'm gonna try that right now I, i'd say just don't do it yet they're gonna check no, into no. it that's, that's pretty nice hey okay so you're kind of the you're kind of the feet on the ground and the hands in the chute somewhat i mean hey synchronizing that's a that's a a lot of time involved in that so you spend a lot of your time and i know you got some folks there working with you and helping you and stuff but man you spend a lot of time running cows in and out right yes we do and uh we've
1: got some really good facilities and when producers come and visit or on field days like when you were here yep. uh, a lot of those producers don't quite have the facilities we have and they're they're kind of in awe of them but when we do research work we have to collect data like weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. And when you're dealing, like, when you set up 150 mama cows to eight high, you having a little experience with it, that's a lot of trips through the chute. And when you're handling the stalker cattle, like, we'll run uh, 120 or so in the fall, and we'll run 240 or so. That's just kind of a rough yeah. deal. And a lot of those, uh, depending on their protocols and all, they may go through the chute, uh, half a dozen times and so we're talking you know that's that's equivalent to somebody you know running three or four thousand head
0: one time through the shoe so that's exactly right it uh, takes yeah. a lot of time to do this oh wow so how do you, well a couple of questions and so i know safety is a big factor for you guys when is it would be for any cattle handler i know when i came and saw your facilities number one i tell my wife i said I got to get a roof over my chute, you know. That was one thing, and 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 so I still hadn't done it yet, but I'm I'm processing through that. Man, you're AIing out there when it's raining. That's not good, you know. You have to put a tent up. Right. Uh, so. But you also had, because I asked you about this the other day when I saw you at the Cattlemen Association. You had those rubber tires in front of your chute, that rubber tire pieces, uh, because all of us had worked on concrete coming out of a chute. you know, trying to sort or move or whatever. Then it helps keep the Keep those cows on their feet from just slamming down against the ground and doing that. So, what are some safety for you guys? I mean, what are some safety protocols maybe you have to do when you're working cattle that you kind of remind each other of? Well, <laughs> like don't get in front of that 1,200 pound mama cow, you know, yeah, coming out. But that, that's that. the big. The one. simple stuff, yeah. And, and it does take it. That's really hard to uh, to teach because
1: experience is is the best thing in the world, best teacher and all, but when we have, like, new employees come in, you have to go through, you know, the whole gamut with them, like, till they actually learn what the nature of a cow is. You know, some people don't know when to get out of the way and when to stand your ground, and sometimes people that don't know will stand too long.
0: It's not funny, but I know, yeah.
1: Right or they'll get too close, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll, get, they'll get into that kick zone, and, and our main thing with handling our equipment and what have you is, is be in mind of pinch points that, like, don't get your arm, well, even, even a squeeze chute, and say you're given a, a dose of vaccine and reaching through the shooting and, and giving the calf a shot you need to be aware that calf can still like move and you want to make sure your arm's not in the wrong place at the wrong time. So there's a whole lot involved in trying to just sit down and go through every step. It's,
0: oh, a while, but. I, you're right though. You know, we got a couple of young guys that help us. And so one of the first things I told them, I said, here's the deal. I said, when we're out trying to sort or move up into the chute and our facilities are nowhere like you guys are or whatever, but I always say, here's the deal. I said, just stay by me until I tell you to, Get over there. And I said, when I get on the fence, you get on the fence. I said, don't stand there. I said, because I've been, I know I raised a lot of cows we have and, and we've got a a Brahma influence in them because we need some ear on them on this ridge for us. It seems to work a little better. And, uh, I said, there's a few of them now. They'll, they're going to test you, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so any, I said, don't freeze up on um, me. So, hey, okay. So one thing too, you mentioned this that we were visiting beforehand. And it was, I was kind of sharing with you about, hey, you know, I got me a, a dart gun. And and so sometimes if we have, uh, and we we lease some places and we'll have a little herd over here and herd over So, you know, and we deal with a lot of, I kind of call it the rock foot or whatever. And a simple antibiotic will sometimes fix that foot of a mama cow. And so I can pull up with a dart gun and not have to work them into the chute. And I can give them a... A shot and roll on; they're good in two or three days. But now you you got a protocol, right? That correct. You have to go through. So explain that a little bit, you know, just for folks out there listening, maybe don't know anything much about cattle, but kind kind of explain. You got a sick calf or a sick mama cow. I mean, what what kind of protocols you have?
1: Okay, that that can vary according to uh, different trials uh, that we run. But we're we're all uh, BQA certified, Beef Quality Assurance certified. So we try to follow. Uh, those guidelines by the book a sick calf uh, most most producers can look at that calf and say yeah he doesn't feel good if we're running a trial those calves all have to be handled exactly the same so just me looking at a calf and saying oh yeah he's sick and, and give him some antibiotic to try to make him feel better we need to uh, take his temperature and make sure he is actually running a temperature and does not kind of having an off day, you know, maybe just yeah. not feeling up to it today. He's got to actually have a temperature before he's going to get any kind of of uh, antibiotic. And uh, on top of that, we're going to run him across a scale. And so if we do give him, you know, if he does temp hot and he gets a shot, he's going to get exactly the amount of, uh, of medicine that he's supposed to get. When we're doing trials, we'll bring on stocker cattle. They'll come from a cell barn. So that's notorious. That's what we've done a lot of work with. Calves coming from the cell bars going to get sick. It's just part of it. It's kind of like when we go, humans go out here to a big function and, and co-mingle with other people. Chances are you're going to come down with some kind of a cold or something. But anyway, we keep those calves. They're they're separated like into 13 different pens just so we don't have 200 head all in one line. Uh, we'll divide them up. But uh, running a protocol like that, you may have a calf that's sick in this is one pen today, but everybody else is not. And then you go back tomorrow and his buddy in that pen may be sick. So that whole pen gets to go back to the barn and go through the process. It, it takes a lot of time to uh, to do things like that. But yes, we do follow uh, protocols and specifically the BQA protocols. So.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I know we got a lot of listeners in other states. So, uh, a lot of those cow folks will be familiar with with that. You got to love it because, look, you're a producer on your own. So, hey, it's not like when I go home, I flip the switch and do something different. You just kind of do the same thing. you know, really. So, I mean, you got to love it. Why do you have such a love for animals? I mean, you got a degree in animal science. I mean, that was you know, that's a pretty hefty degree. So why why do you have that? What is that?
1: Well, that, that's a good question. Uh, I grew up with it, made my first livestock show when I was six months old. <laughs> so, and that, as a little kid, people, you know, you ask little kids, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, I want to be an astronaut or a fireman or yeah. you know, whatever. Well, I always never had any other doubts, wanted to farm yeah. and, uh, or do something with, you know, agriculture. Yeah. And that's, I, that's a real hard question to answer. We have a young man uh, that is now his primary uh, duties are the cow calf herd and that uh, he came from uh, the college. of was Archie. You met him yeah. At, yeah. Uh, at the convention that he did not grow up with agriculture. But when he got in college, it, it sparked his interest. He got a degree there. And now he's in the field. But for myself, it's, uh, it's just the way I've always been. But yes, you you have to like it <laughs> because if, if if you're iffy about it, it, you won't be doing it for very long.
0: Oh, yeah. It's just some of that. Sometimes, you know, I know where I came from, too, growing up, a lot of row crops, uh, not as many cattle It's central Arkansas kind of stuff. Man, the smell of that dirt, you know, and yeah. uh, even I mean, hey, it just never gets out of you and and then this growing stuff i tell you what that's what i like about cow calves is you get to grow them but here's something interesting so we all know where prices have been and input costs and all that and so we always keep a few replacement heifers and stuff and uh so we we went to market with some with a set of heifers and a set of steers and this is kind of back before things got crazy in the drought and uh so my wife told me about three days ago she said do you know how many calves you got left out there i'm like i don't know i just sorted them around different lots <laughs> and uh, so this morning i was out there counting and i was thinking well i didn't know i had that many left you know and then i started thinking about i gotta feed these things all winter if i'm gonna keep them you know but, but anyway i like growing them i like watching them i don't like them when they plow through the fence you know or something like right. that but uh it is a joy it is a joy. okay so man tell me what do you think what for you Man, they're on the farm. What's the most stressful for you? Like say a different time of the year or a different project or, I mean, or it's all the same. I mean, what, what's the stresses for you?
1: When I, when I was doing the fair to finish hog operation, it's a little different when I was independently employed. <laughs> working yeah. for myself to uh, have income, even, even when it's a down year as far as uh, the... Oh, yeah. Commodity might be, but for me, it's always been like the with. I mean, that has that, that is one of the, the things that affects people. I mean, we just a lot of people are still dealing with the drought. Uh, I was telling you earlier, the rains that we've got here is kind of green things back up, and now you would say we're no longer in a drought, but we still have to deal with. Uh, we didn't get as much uh, oh, yeah. hay on our first cuttings, and, and uh, so we're going to be dealing with that a while. But that is probably the most stressful as, as an individual. would go. Uh, you could ask other people who work here, and it might be dealing with upper administration. But,
0: <laughs> but, but yeah, know, we're, not gonna go, problems, we're not going to go. We're not going to go there on this one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. but it, yeah, just but, on a personal but, level, the,
1: and just strictly thinking about ag, it, it's generally for me, it's always been the weather because yeah. that dictates what's going to happen.
0: It does. You're right. You know, and. Man, I, I think anybody in the farming industry, regardless of what you do, the weather is, uh, man, it's just out of our control, uh, right. you know, and so much. Uh, and, uh, well, hey, Tom, man, it's been good today, man. Thanks for taking the time to to visit with us. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Archie. Yeah. Hey, well, guys out there listening, man, again, thank you for joining us. Tom Hess, University of Arkansas. He's there at the uh, research station That's outside of Batesville. They deal with forester and livestock. You can go on the website of the University of Arkansas. You can kind of find that University of Arkansas division and uh, look at that. They do have you're in our area. Now, this can be Missouri. Arkansas, even Oklahoma, whatever, man, they do have a great field day. I have uh, always learned uh, a lot when I've been there. Uh, You meet some great people, so I invite you to check that out. Those will be uh, coming up. Uh, And then, too, as uh, Tom mentioned, man, the weather is facing all of us, uh, all across the nation, wherever you may be. Uh, And for some of you that may not be farm related, it's hard to really grasp, you know, that the farming community is what feeds this nation and the world. And uh, so, hey, too, I just want to encourage you, if, you uh, if you're out there and you're facing some of those ups and downs, you got some questions, you can email me here at archie at agrihealth.net, and I'll be glad to maybe help you walk through something maybe taking place in your life. You may be in one of the other states, and you may say, hey, Arch, I want to go to your website. Is anybody on that website maybe I can visit with, talk to? We got some great resources there, great people. Uh, and other surrounding states that partner with us to help you walk through anything that may be going on. Uh, Again, our plan is, as always, to be here again next week. And uh, so if you liked our podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with your friends, pass on to your friends uh, information maybe that you learned here. Hey, till next week, keep farming and keep the faith. I'll see you then. You've been listening to That Farm Life Podcast, planting hope, Harvesting Strength with your host, Archie Mason. That Farm Life Podcast is a creation of the Agri Health Network in conjunction with Grounded Faith Ministries, where we offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about who we are and what we do on our website at agrihealth.net. That's agrihealth, one word, dot net. Thanks for listening, and until next week keep the faith.